Hi, it's Megan and Jason. You may know us from Oma's Applesauce, and we've teamed up with Opal Healthcare to bring you the Cuppa Q&As podcast series. And we're in the car about to arrive at Catherine and Errol's home to have a chat about their experience looking after Catherine's parents, who had some pretty challenging health journeys to navigate. Yeah, I had a chat to them on the phone earlier, and they sound so lovely, and they've got a really interesting story to share. Good morning. <laughs> Welcome to episode two of the Kappa Q&A's podcast. We'll just play this little musical interlude while Errol boils the kettle, Catherine plates our Persian love cake, and we set up our microphone. So grab a cup of tea, a comfy seat, and let's have a chat about the shared experience of caring for a loved one. Thank you very much for letting us into your home and um, speaking about your parents' journey and your journey together as looking after both of your parents. And I would love to hear initially, um, so your mum is at Quakers Hillside. We'd love to know a little bit about your mum as a person, not just, not just right now, but what, what is mum, what's your relationship with mum? Mum and I are very tight, very tight. Um, she's, she's been with me, we weren't as close when we, I was young as now, because she's been through all the good times and the hard times with me, and we really bonded, and we're kind of like friends. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she's a very kind person. She's very, very kind. She'll walk a mile in the hottest sun to visit somebody who's sick. Mm-hmm. She'll cook relentlessly for people. Uh, she's always there to come and help us with things. So was my dad, you know, always there to help us. Uh, very kind, very generous, and very loving with the grandchildren. Love the grandchildren. And your dad, he's, he had a, a health journey as well that, he, that he, he experienced towards his end of life. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, dad uh, didn't know, wasn't aware. He started to drag his feet and... Um, uh, ended up that he had Parkinson's, and uh, we had a lot of lot of tests done. And slowly, slowly, it, he well, he slowed down, and um, he just wouldn't give in to it. He put rails in the, on the walls so he could hold. Uh, refused help. I I bought him walking sticks. I bought him a walker. Uh, he had a um, disability scooter refused help because he was a man mm. and very independent, you know, very strong-minded. But uh, it was cruel to see him go down because he was such a hard-working person, you know, always gardening, yeah, very independent, very strong, hard-working guy. So to see him like that was really heartbreaking. He heartbreaking. trained with Mr. America. Mr. India, didn't he? Bodybuilder. He used to do weightlift. He used to weightlift when he was young. He used to get coins in his fingers and just bend them like that. Really? Yeah. And in the end, he couldn't swallow. Couldn't he? It's it's astounding when you see such a strong parental figure, someone that you've grown up knowing that is so strong and solid, just, just 
crumble into an illness, isn't it? So it's yeah. quite horrible. It's devastating. Errol used to joke with my dad and say, oh, you're going to live to like 100. You're going to, what did you say to him? Something to that effect. You Lived to over 100. 100. But it was a little bit of a dig, you know. So my, he'd have a laugh. But after a while, my dad started thinking, hmm, he's <laughs> wanting me to pop off. But dad lived till 95. 95, yeah, good age. And lived at home until 95. He lived at home till he was uh, 90, 93. Okay. Uh, and just before his 94th birthday, uh, we moved him to Quakers Hillside. Mm-hmm. And did they, did they have, even though for a period they were living independently, um, were, were you both helping or did you have in-home care package or how did that relationship work? Uh, my mind was like a blur. I'm thinking, what do I do next? You know, who do I ring? But we had been through a number of different agencies and eventually got onto one that was really good. Um, morning and night, we'd have an hour. And Monday to Friday, um, we'd have a lady go in there at 9 o'clock till about 1 o'clock. And that ended up not being enough because my dad would still think he could walk. And even though I got him a lifter to lift him out of bed, lift him to the chair in the lounge room, lift him up, take him to the bathroom, you know, he still thought he could walk. And so he used to fall out of bed, and luckily we had provided that vital call. So um, I'd say, Dad, press the button, because the ambulance would get there before us. So he'd press the button and vital call. But it was very, very hard to get enough care for Dad. And it got to the point where the carers said to us that you need to have two assists. It's It's too much for one person. And I looked into having a full-time live-in carer, mm. but it was very, very expensive. So, um, and mum and dad didn't really want anyone living, stranger living in the house with them. It, it's, it's really tricky when you know how proud they both were as, as, as people, as individuals and as a couple and as a fa- heads of the family. Yeah. You know, you want to try and help them maintain that autonomy and that independence as long as you can, obviously, at home. How did, did you? How did you find yourself supporting them um, as a daughter or as a carer yourself? What what did what was the ask on you? Uh, the visitations, the doctors' visits, the hospitals' visits, uh, the medication, the organisation of um, carers who would sometimes come at five o'clock instead of seven o'clock. You know, yeah. um, just sitting with them, shopping. All those things, you know, I, I would do. My brother would do the visiting, he'd do the garden. We tried our very best because one time a couple of years ago, the doctor said in the hospital, Dad went to hospital and he was there for about three weeks or maybe four weeks. And the doctor got, the specialist got all the nursing staff in to a meeting and they said, your dad needs a nursing home. My brother was privy to that conversation via the phone. And, uh, well, the day before my dad was going to Quakers Hillside, my dad refused to go. My brother was in tears. So I said, okay. So I relented, put him back in home. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he lasted two years. And when mum went into hospital with sepsis, 
we could not do it. And the ambulance came and he fell out of bed and they said, you can't leave your father home alone. There was no place for us to sleep because mum wasn't sleeping in bed after a stroke. She only sleeps on a chair. Mm-hmm. And um, so we, we just couldn't handle it anymore. So I said to my brother, you know, now's the time. So dad's, dad originally thought he was going there for a little while, but we knew that he was mm-hmm. going there permanently. Um. Perhaps you should mention that the ambulance people actually call it elder abuse if you left them there by themselves. By themselves, yeah. Just depending on people coming in the morning and the night. And us in between, yeah. But we're not there all the time. Yeah, we can't. We just could not handle it. It's heartbreaking to see such a strong, independent man to live that way. It's, It's heartbreaking having one parent going through a journey like that, let alone having both parents unwell at the same time. Yes. I, I can't even imagine what that felt like on both of you. It's it's such a huge strain on you as a as a a son daughter, as a as just as a couple. Like it's huge. Yeah. How, so your dad went into care first. Mum went in. Uh, she had a uh, half brain stroke, left brain right. stroke uh, in two thousand and nineteen, and. Um, she has, uh, subsequently, she has a thing called aphasia, where her language is very badly affected. And so it's hard to understand mum. So mum was there. She loved it there. She really liked it. It was a bit, yeah, she loved it there. And she wanted dad to move in. But dad was determined he was going to go home. And he wanted mum to be with him. So family pressure, they both went home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but as we were leaving, the care manager, Mary, said to me, you'll be back, mm-hmm. she'll be back. Mm-hmm. And true, she was. That's really hard when, when you, the family dynamic has shifting priorities there in respect to what's the right decision for mum and dad. Mm-hmm. How, did you, how did you cope with that in, in yourself? I was really broken because when I dropped dad home once, you know, you have to undress him. And then he's standing at the door there. He says, you dumped mum. Mm. Dumped mum in the home. Mm. You know? And the way he said it, it broke my heart. I was trying to do the best thing for yeah. them, not for us, for them. Yeah. And um, he, he said that to me. And I, I didn't know what to do. I really didn't know what to do. You know, I tried my very best. I used to visit mum every day. And that was not enough. I used to, used to take dad there Monday to Friday. And then Michael, my brother, would take him there Saturday and Sunday because working. And um, I just, what more can you do? What more can you do? And it's not like it happened just a little while. It was just like ongoing mental stress, yeah. ongoing physical, mental stress physical. and physical stress, mm. yeah. yeah. So was there much of a, a journey searching for um, a, a care community for your mum and dad or, or did you already yes. have Quakers Hillside in mind? I actually did volunteer work at Quakers Hillside okay. and I got to know the team and they are beautiful people mm. and um, because I got to know them and the place, I wanted mum and dad when it was their time to go there. But my brother, after my mum's stint, he was very averse to doing that. So um, 
I got him involved and we visited a number of communities mm -hmm. and some are very, very sad, very sad. And um, he decided that, yes, that was the, okay. that was the place. So we did a lot of, a lot of looking and this is the place we chose, yeah. came back to my choice. Mm. Yeah. So sorry, so mum was in care, was it in respite care and then came no, back she, home? We thought she was going permanently. Right. And uh, she thought she was going to go permanently there, uh, but she stayed there two months. And then she came out, and Dad could hardly look after himself, and he was telling Mum he was going to look after her. Mm. So with all the carers and all of us, you know, four of us just rushing there constantly to fill the gaps, and it was just impossible. So when Mum went into hospital with sepsis, um, uh, what year was that? Huh? 2021? 21. 21. In June, yeah. uh, we actually put dad in there okay. because he couldn't stay at home. So when mum came out, I've actually got video. Oh, the team was so beautiful. They had my dad. We planned it. We had the, my dad there and mum came, we, we, uh, came, mum was in her nighty and her dressing gown. And we brought her from uh, Westmead Hospital and we brought her there. And mum was so overjoyed to see him and the reunion. I got it on video, wow. <laughs> little video. Yeah. And they're, they're so lovely over there, you know. And um, yeah, so mum went in yeah. and my brother said, we can't afford to have the house and mum and dad in care. And mum wouldn't leave dad. Mm -hmm. So we put them both in care and had to sell the house and we sold the house in August. So you, you lost dad in August last we lost year? dad in August and I was heartbroken. I was thinking, you know, like you want your parents to be at peace, you know, you don't want to, my mum crying constantly, mm -hmm. you know, so devastated that she can't live with us, you know, yeah. and she has many, many health issues and physical problems and had many had a few serious falls and um, we can't manage that no. you know we can't manage that you need the lifters you need the doctors the nurses to yeah. attend to her you can't do that 24 7. no it's so hard when your parent is not able to partake in all those wonderful activities and things that they do organize what do you see the care team doing that makes your mum's time there meaningful? What, what, what is she able to enjoy? What are they doing for her? Mum loves one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah. And the Rhea, in, Rhea in particular, um, and Mary, the care manager, and Elsie at the front desk, mm -hmm. they actually s spend time with her one-on-one. Mm. -on -one. Mm -hmm. I'm sure a lot of other people do, but these are three people off the cuff that I know. And mum needs that one-on-one -on -one, one -on -one chat. Yeah. Because otherwise people are talking. She does not know what they're saying. Mm. So she yeah. needs that reassurance. Just that yeah. reassurance. She yeah. loves hugs, yeah. you know. So the ladies that do that, she loves it. You know, mm. and they become her best pal. Mm. But you feel like the, the beautiful team that is at Quakers Hillside, like you feel, you feel okay leaving and coming back to mum, you feel like you trust them. And 
Well, I wouldn't have left mom and dad there because it's only that I experienced them when I was a volunteer, that I experienced the caringness of these people. And it's a lovely place. You know, I don't know how much it costs them, but they change around the decor, Mm -hmm. you know. They do that to refresh the place. They have balloons there for the people. They have... They've started to have little functions again for them, you know. They try their very best. Mm -hmm. But mum has this sundowning, which you can't avoid. And um, she she just needs time to, I try, if I'm there when she has it, I try and get her into her room so she can have a little um, tantrum. And then we we settle it down. Then she feels really sad that she's done that. One day I left her in a room, she told me, go, go, you, 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 I don't need you, go away. Mm. So I left her in her room, and I was like choked that my mother was telling me to go. And I walked out, and I got into my car, and I was sitting. And next thing my mom, I don't know how she, I think somebody was coming in, and next thing my mom bolts out the you door with her, with her walker, and she's standing there looking at me and, and this poor nurse has chased her down and she's standing there trying to say, you know, come back inside. And she's looking at me and I saw my mum. I thought, oh my God, you know, my mum, she's chased me. Yes. You're, you're in trouble. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Yeah. So I, I went back and I saw my mum and I said, mum. And I gave her a hug and said, Mom, yeah. what are you doing? She says, I'm very, I'm sorry. I'm uh, sorry, baby. I'm uh, sorry. But you are one of the few people who can talk her off a ledge, isn't it? Like mm-hmm. when she's really bad, yeah. she's the only one with the patience, I suppose, mm-hmm. who, who can talk to her and persevere with her and, and make a few promises to maybe take her out tomorrow or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, she's the only one who can do it. Like, I don't know how they do. Even the nursing staff, they, mm. they've got so much patience. Yeah. Catherine, you, you shared with us previously a, an experience you had recently in a, in a shopping centre car park, which really rattled you. Yes. Um, are you comfortable sharing that story? Because I think it's a really important one to talk about. Yes. I, I, take, a, I take my mum shopping twice a week because my mum's always a shopper. She was a daily shopper. Nothing could keep her from the shops. So instead of bringing, I used to bring her here for a while, but she would be crying all the time. So I thought, let's take her shopping and I get her to touch things and smell things, you know. So yeah, anyway, so um, I got mum into the car and there was a lady watching us. She was waiting to, for a space to park. So she parked her car, um, double parked her car. And I helped mum into the car. Uh, and I was trying to get her wheelchair into the car, and with my back problem, I've, I sit on the tailgate, and I try and fold it down. And um, this lady came up to me. She says, oh, you're very good, very good. Is that your mother? I said, yes. She said, very good daughter, very good daughter. Oh, she says, to do this, you're wonderful. And she was compliment, complimenting me, and I said, thank you very much. And she says, I've, my mother is old too. She lives with me. I said, oh, that's lovely. And she says, your mother lives with you? I said, no, mum lives at Quakers Hillside. Off she went. You put your mum there in a, in a home. In a home? Yeah. 
you put your mom in a home? She says, I would never put my mom in a home. Oh, and she just went off at me. And a space came, became available. Traffic needed to pass. She said, wait here, I'll be back. Oh, no. Yes. So she drove a, was driving a car into the parking space. Never seen me whip that wheelchair back into my car so quickly. I got in, slammed the back shut, got into my car, drove off. But that, wow. that made me feel terrible because all this guilt I've got inside, putting mum in the nursing home first, saying that she was dumped, then putting mum, dad in the nursing home and mum, selling their home, and people criticizing my mom, me for strangers, strangers criticizing me like that. I mean, I've got plenty of guilt, plenty of guilt. Yeah. Why why do you feel like there's such a stigma against placing someone into a a home? Like she probably would have used the word nursing home. Yes. Why why do you feel that there's such a a stigma around us placing people into our loved ones into care communities? That is a great question. I think we've all got this... um, old idea of nursing homes, mm-hmm. you know, where they were daggy little places, smelly, uh, old, um, unkempt, um, you know, people put their family there and forgot about them. Yeah. But that's not the modern day home. That's not the modern day home. That's and not there are, experience now. It's not my experience with Hillside, mm-hmm. you know. I looked at other places and there were one or two like that. I wouldn't put my parents there. But this place, it's not my experience. And I think we need to change at the times, you know? Like you look at our children and I couldn't, I've already said that we will go into one when we need it because life is very busy. Nursing homes are not what they used to be, you know? And I understand why they don't want to be called nursing homes because they aren't. It's kind of like a lifestyle place, you know. They have entertainment. I would be involved in everything. The mini golf, (laughs) everything, everything. What about the food at Quaker? The food is great. My mum, my mum, first uh, the doctor there got her, her weight under control. She's gone from 98 kilos to 69. Mm. That's still a lot of weight for somebody who's now shorter than me. But it's a healthy weight. Yeah. I look at her food and sometimes I want to take her out for lunch. <laughs> They've got salmon mm. and prawns for lunch. Yeah. I'm thinking, Errol said to them, he says, I want to live here. Yeah. He says, I'm You're eating tomorrow. better than me. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you're looking at all the lovely food they're eating. Yeah. It's a healthy, balanced diet. And they're allowed to have a glass of wine if they want. Yeah. And one day I took a, I took a bottle of wine because mum, I've gotten, I asked them to put mum with a lady. And a lady has come, a lovely lady, Alice. She's come and sat at mum's table. Very caring lady. And she mentioned she liked, would love to have a drop of wine. Mm. So I said, can I have a drop of wine here? They'll, they give you a glass of wine. She said, oh, I didn't know that. So one day I got a nice bottle of wine and I, I took it in. And it was a lovely French wine, French rosé. Mm. And I said, come on, we were having a picnic out the back. So we took our lunches, mum and Alice's lunch. We sat outside. So 
we're all sitting, I actually had a little bit. Uh, we're all sitting there enjoying on a lovely summer's day, a glass of wine. You know, this, this, is, this is lifestyle. Catherine, Errol, thank you so much for inviting us in your beautiful home and sharing your story with us. I'm sure it'll help a lot of families in a similar so. position to navigate yeah. their journeys too. So thank you. You're very welcome. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Cup of Q&As podcast, proudly brought to you by Opal Healthcare. For more episodes and helpful resources, visit opalhealthcare.com.au. This Cup of Q&As podcast series is copyright 2023, Opal Healthcare.